Well, if you want to hear God speak, open the Bible. Let's ask for his help. Let's pray. From our Old Testament reading, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly and gave the sense so that people understood the reading. Our Father in heaven, just like we've heard from Nehemiah 8, when Ezra read from your word and your people heard your word preached, help us now to hear clearly. Help me by your spirit to give the sense so that we can understand Please be at work now in us and through us and for us and for others. We pray in the name of the word made flesh, Jesus. Amen. When do you really need the words of a friend? When do you really need to hear a friend speak into your life? All the time, really, but particularly in a tough time, yeah? What about Jesus? What about Jesus? Um, Jesus gives us the special privilege of being friends with God himself. Jesus says in John 15, you are my friends. How often do you hear from Jesus? And when do you really need the words of your friend Jesus? Like all the time, but particularly in a tough time. Yeah? Yeah? especially when you're suffering, I think. That's my experience, especially when you've got yourself so entangled in sin. You're so stuck, you're sucked in by your own selfishness, you end up in a vortex of just focusing on self. That's when you really need the words of a friend. That's when you really need the words of Jesus. That's when you really need the word of God, the Bible. We'd better believe it. I'd better believe it. See, though that's our problem though, isn't it? That's my problem. My problem is I have trouble believing it. Like, I know it in my head, I know it there as a conscious thought, but in my heart, where belief really hits the road of where it matters, where belief hits life, when it comes to my heart, that's where I struggle. Do you? Do you struggle with that? This lockdown, number six, for us Victorians. It's a struggle, isn't it? It sees me in need all over the place. I can get selfish and selfishness, uh, given the right conditions of wrong and weakness, uh, selfishness turns to snappiness. It's when we perhaps snap at one another online in messages or in the room. It's where I would want to present life as one of got it together and happiness, at least on the socials. But often, in reality, for you and I, that is not the real picture, particularly in lockdown. And in the honest hours of the night or the day up to this morning, if we're honest with ourselves, we really need our friend Jesus to speak. We really need the word of God himself speaking into our ears, coming through our eyes as we read it from the pages of scripture and into our mind and moving to our hearts so that our heart is moved away from the very things that entangle us. Of course, you knew that. I knew that. 
But why isn't it true of us? Why, why isn't it a daily reality if we already knew that? And people often say, I knew that, I get that, I'm, I'm, I'm all over it. Really? Well, why isn't it real then? Is it fake? Is it not believed by you and me? You see, here's where we need to get the Bible in front of us. Not just memorized or for Bible trivia, which is useless to us in the real life of the trenches of lockdown, but as in real life in front of me, Jesus, not just getting academic with me, but personal with me. It's, it's pointless knowing a bunch of things about the Bible if you actually don't know the friend who is speaking to you from the Bible. What I need most of all when all else is failing me, and pretty much that's a daily cycle, and what I need most of all is someone who doesn't. I need Jesus. I need his word to me. I was talking with a reforming brother this last week, and I got permission to tell this story. I won't say his name, but this reforming brother actually brought up, we're talking about the Bible, we're talking about this passage. And he brought up, he said, you know what, the other day I was having a very stressful phone call with someone, uh, and they're constantly stressful phone calls with this person. It was getting out of hand, and the only thing stopping me losing it was I had a Bible in front of me, and I was meditating on God's Word as I responded to this person. Brother, that is my experience too. If we needed God's Word before, how much more when we need God's word before for salvation, do we now also need it for that new creation work that's happening in us? We need more and more the word of God, especially in even when we're suffering, especially in lockdown, when nothing else can get to us. When we record these, when we have these live stream services, we've got a crew here we're so thankful for. There's always a media crew of two, so we have a limit of five people in the room. There's a media crew of two up on the mezzanine there. I see them smiling behind their masks. I see you there, smiling. We have a music crew, the band of two. Sounds like a good cover name for a band, doesn't it? The band of two. And they do such a wonderful job. And we do our best to communicate, communicate to speak to you in your lounge rooms, in your vehicle, wherever you are. Perhaps you're on a walk. Wherever you are, we, we want to communicate. But you know what? Lockdown makes all that hard, and we know not everyone will hear, see, or communicate, but God's word can go even further than that. See, as much as we want to communicate to you, he can take his word and get into your heart, into my heart, where it's needed. Today, this word is for you. Do you see God's word at work in your life? Even in lockdown, I, I think we see in this passage three things that we need. We need to firstly receive the word of God, just receive it. Secondly, we need to see that the word is then at work in us. It's in me, it's at work. And thirdly, then therefore from us, it's at work in others. Yes, even in lockdown. Firstly, receive the word today. Look at verse 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Reese read this so helpfully earlier. Verse 13, and we also, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, 
you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. Paul writes, and as you saw at the start of this letter, he writes with this constant wave of thankfulness. Particularly here, he's thankful because the Thessalonians have received the word. Why? Because they accepted it for what it really is. Not as a human message, but really as the word of God. That's what it is. It's a message from God. Humans have a history. We've all got a history, yes, but humanity has a history. Humanity has baggage. We're still carrying baggage from the fall. We're still getting over that. In fact, we never will without Jesus. And humanity's history is history writ large from beginning to end, from Genesis through the fall, right now. Humanity's history is one of ignoring the word of God. And history goes back to the garden where we fell away from God because we didn't want to trust God at his word. We see in Genesis chapters 1 and 3, we didn't want relationship with God and instead we wished to replace him. We didn't accept him as our ultimate good, as joy and love. We believed the lie that he didn't love us. He didn't want what was good for us. And we said, let's just go our separate ways. We sinned. We removed our membership from his role and said, we're done here. And since then, sin has been sucking our life away ever since that day. And what we need most of all is to hear him calling us back. Is to hear him saying, I love you. I love you, I love you. To hear God's word in our ears, in our mind, in our heart, and to believe it. You see, God created the world by his word. Psalm 33, our call to worship. He created the world by his word. God is renewing the world by his word. And Jesus is the word made flesh and body. He is God's message in a person. John chapter 1, the word. When the Bible uses the word throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, it means revelation. Jesus is the word. He is the full revelation of God. You want to see God? Look to Jesus. You want to hear God? Listen to Jesus. You want to read God's word? Read Jesus' word. And so receiving the message of Jesus, it's not a message of men, Paul says. It's from God. It's God's message. It's God's person. And therefore receiving the Bible... And your attitude towards the Bible, this will be how you receive the word of God. Today, your attitude to the scriptures, to the Bible, to 66 books, true, infallible, inerrant, this is how you receive God's word. And when you receive and accept God's word and Christ in your life, God gets to work in such a way in you and I that we could not imagine. God is at work when you open the Bible. That's the second thing we want to see this morning, we need to see this morning. Now, read verse 13 again. Look carefully. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but what is it really is the word of God, which is at work in who? You believers. So reforming church... God is speaking to you right now. And to anyone who's tuning in online, 
As you believe the word of God, that is not something that happens because somehow you're smart enough. It doesn't happen because somehow you've got it worked out. It doesn't happen by your own free will. Because the Bible says by our own free will, we would all choose to do what Adam and Eve did, our ancient grandparents, and that is say, no thanks God. No, no, no. Something's happening here. As you believe this, as you open the Bible this morning, as you read along with Brendan reading and Reese reading and then me preaching, Something's happening. The very spirit who breathed these words onto the page is taking these words into your eyes and ears, down into your mind, and then deep into your heart. He's doing something. He's working deep. God does things, powerful things, by his reforming word. This is why we are Reforming Church. It's why we named this church Reforming Church, because we want to be about this, that God's word in Christ saves us and then renews us. It reforms us into the image of his son, into Jesus Christ himself. That's what God's word does. Uh, the motto of Reforming Church speaks a lot of things, but one of the things is a motto from the Reformation period. And the Reformation Ecclesia reformata, semper reformanda means the church reforming is always reforming. The church reformed is always reforming and that's us. It describes the human heart and what we need daily, friends. We need weekly reforming grace. But it seems so incremental. Like it's hard to measure, isn't it? In a world of, and I've been in it, I've been to the conferences, I've been to the church growth conferences and the church planting conferences, and there's a lot of good stuff, but you know what I noticed? We're always wanting to measure everything. And that caused me to want to measure everything. And, and sometimes pastors become like engineers. We want to measure every single metric we can. And we talk metrics and measure and growth and that sort of stuff. You know what? Some intangibles don't have metrics. How do you measure through the Spirit? I'd like to do a series on the fruit of the Spirit one day. How do you measure that? Someone growing in patience? Well, we've got a graph here and that we're snarky and snappy over here. We move the graph down here and they're less snarky and snappy. And uh, they're working at a 12-point snarky snappiness, but we think we can get them down to a four-point. Do you reckon you can measure that? It's incremental, isn't it? It's hard to measure. It's hard to see sometimes. Sometimes we write people off. When actually God is at work. It's like when you're a kid and your grandma says, Oh, I haven't seen you in ages. What has it been now? Lockdown six? You've grown up a little bit. You're getting tall. And you go, Oh, no, I'm not. I wish I was getting taller. I feel like Mr. Duck all the time. Or it's like, I remember once, um, you know, back in the days where you could travel across borders and... Um, I went back home to my hometown to see my parents, Tamora, and um, I went to uh, the RSL. There was a function there, and I went to the RSL, and uh, I walked in, and at the bar there, there's a, there's a middle-aged man behind the bar, and this middle-aged man turns to me, and he, he, I said, oh, you know, can I have a Coke? And he gets me the Coke. And Anyway, as I grab the Coke, he says to me, this middle-aged man says to me, are you going to catch up with the, with the boys this week? And I looked at him and went, eh. Yeah, boys, you know, you're going to catch up with like all the, all the fellas. And I'm like, uh, probably. Yeah, well, it's good to see you. And I said, yeah, it's good to see you too. And then 
as I just moved away, I realised, this middle-aged man is from my year at high school. My, he's aged. And then I caught myself, you know, in the, the pub, often there's a mirror there or the reflection in the glass. I caught my picture in the glass and I looked, my, you've aged, Russ. There's another middle-aged man. You see, we don't see change in ourselves. Sometimes it's incremental. Next thing you know, you're all grey and old. Next thing you know, God does a work in us. You see, we could try and measure that, God's work in us, but God's less interested in measuring it and more interested in getting on with it. When you open the Bible, God is at work. He wants to speak to you. He wants, he, he, he wants you to hear him. When you open the Bible, it's almost like, and there's been some near reforming house here, there's some roadworks down there. It's almost like we could go and open the Bible and set up some yellow signs around the place, 40K zone here, God is at work. That's how powerful it is. And what is the result of this work? Look at verse 14. For you, brothers, brothers and sisters, you became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind. Look at the result of God's word working here. You see the result, what it is? It follows in the next line. The Thessalonians became something. So they receive God's word, it works deep in them, and how does the result, what's the fruit of it? The fruit of it is seen, it's, if you like, measured, it's seen in that they became imitators. Over time, the church of God in Christ Jesus grew, maybe in number, but more importantly, more like someone, more like Christ. We grow as Christians as God's word works in us and he continues to do a work in us that's beautiful as our hearts respond to the message of the gospel and the church then becomes more like Christ over the ages even as the church she suffers, struggles with distance and lockdowns and waiting, the church grows more like Christ. Verse 14, the Thessalonian church had suffered some level of persecution. Paul could say that in some way, at some level, the Jerusalem church and New Thessalonians suffered in a very similar way. And they suffered from the Jews, the ruling and unbelieving Jews who killed Jesus along with the faithful prophets. And you go back to Acts 17, you can see this happening. Paul and Silas are driven out of town. They suffered this persecution. And Paul says, this suffering you're going through, you know what, as you imitate Christ... The suffering you are going through, you know what? God is even using that. As you receive the word and it's working in you, the conditions around you of the greenhouse that is suffering are fostering this growth in you. You know what happens? You think suffering, you think lockdowns are just going to end everything. No, it's actually going to grow you more like Christ. For the Thessalonian church, for reforming church, God is at work now. By his word. It's the quip by Martin Luther, the reformer. You may know it. 
Uh, Reformation Day is on a Sunday this year. We're going to have a great Reformation Day service, October 31st this year. And Martin Luther famously was asked, you know, how'd you do it, Martin Luther? How'd you, how'd you make the Reformation happen in continental Europe? And he said, well, it was just me and my mate drinking beer at Wittenberg and it was just the word doing the work. Now, he's not saying, let's all go and, you know, have beers, beers, beers. He's saying, we preached, we spoke, we led Bible studies, we had one-to-ones, we didn't rely on ourselves or our skills, we simply opened the Bible. And then when people read the Bible, they hear it preached on a Sunday, in a small group, in a one-to-one, they go away. And what's happening? They forget it? No, God is working in their heart in those moments. Charles Spurgeon, let's move from the Reformation to... Let's move to the 19th century. Charles Spurgeon famously was asked something about, you know, as it goes, um, would you defend the Bible? And he said, defend the Bible? I'd rather defend a lion. The Bible, when you open it, God's word is unleashed. He is working. Better believe it, Russ. And for us, we better believe it. That's how discipleship works, to believe him, to receive his word, for it to work in us and to grow more like him. Of all the people in human history, the human who is God, Jesus himself, Jesus himself had the highest view of scripture, had the highest view of God's word. And Jesus himself says, this word is for others. This is what Paul writes in verse 16, that last verse there. Paul writes about how the Jews, the ruling Jews, the unbelieving Jews are hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. It's hard to tell if Paul is speaking about wrath coming upon them in the future or in the past. Is he speaking about an event like the the, the sacking of Jerusalem? Is he speaking about something like that in some sort of apocalyptic future? Is he speaking about uh, what's happened in the past? It's hard to tell, but what we do know from Scripture, interpreting Scripture, because that's the way you do it, by the way, friends. Scripture interprets Scripture. What we do know is there is a day of judgment coming. And here is what we need to hear right now. There is a day of judgment coming, friends. Now, no one likes judgment in our world unless we're judging someone else. People say, that's a bit judgy. But that statement in and of itself is actually judgy, ironically enough. Now, no one likes judgment if it's for me. But the very thought of judgment, that's why. Because the very thought of judgment is we know that we we actually secretly know this. We deserve judgment and death. I don't deserve life. That's why it's called grace from God, friends. And the grace of God in Jesus Christ is wonderful for those who realize we face judgment. Because here is what we need to know right now. Judgment, the thought of judgment is awful. But imagine judgment day with your friend Jesus with you. Wow. Wow. That's something the whole world needs to hear, yes? Imagine judgment with Jesus next to you. That's something the whole world needs to hear. This is the word that we pray works in us and for us and through us so that 
others, verse 16, may be saved. That's what Paul writes. Yes, he's writing about judgment of the Jews, but he's saying, I want to see Gentiles, I want to see the whole world be saved. Those against the gospel of Jesus Christ in Thessalonica, they were attacking the messenger. They were shooting the messenger. But their problem is with the message. Now, when the Thessalonians saw Paul being persecuted right on their doorstep, right in Thessalonica, he'd just come from Philippi where he got beaten up. So as he arrives in Thessalonica, not in a parade, not in a self-promotion, not saying, have you seen my production on YouTube? He comes into Thessalonica, beaten up, harassed, pretty much forgotten. No one wants him. And then he says, let me tell you about Jesus. I'm not here to perform Jesus. I'm not here to perform the Bible. I'm here to preach and proclaim it. Let me tell you about Jesus. And as he does that humbly and beaten up as it is, weary and a sinner as well, he then gets beaten up further, persecuted, shamed, humiliated, run out of town. Friends, can I ask you a question? If you were there, would you look at that and go, I want to be like that. I want to imitate that. I'd like to get beaten up too, thanks. I would love to get humiliated online. I would love for everyone to shame me, humiliate me, belittle me. I'd love to have a message system where someone snaps at me online. I want to imitate that. You know what it's like? You see someone suffer some ridicule for being a Christian? Does it make you wish you could become a Christian too? Does it make you wish you could be like that as a Christian yourself? I think secretly we want the bold and brave. We want the soundtrack moment, the soundtrack scene, but we don't want to imitate the scene of humiliation. But when you see people being humiliated, belittled, and responding like Jesus, you've got to know, therefore, there's something powerful going on. They're responding supernaturally they're not responding the way the world responds the world responds with no apology the world says i get it i'm you i'm you all along and the world just snaps not christ so when you see someone respond by just being gentle and absorbing it absorbing the snappiness absorbing the persecution you know god is at work in that person and that's what i want to imitate i don't want to be like the world the world that just hurts people and humiliates them and hits out at them. I want to be like Jesus, who absorbs the blows and loves them. Even in lockdown. Our greatest human need right now, in lockdown, is to have God working in my life your life and that starts from receiving the word of god which if we can think of it like this is probably the pointy end of the problem is receiving it in the first place because as paul writes we can be a little bit in danger of receiving it not as the word of god but as the word of men and therefore we treat it differently but today is your day it's my day. Today is the day, this Lord's day, to receive the word of the Lord. 
with the open hands of faith. Believe and behold him. We don't suffer to get saved. We don't go through lockdowns to, to make us great people. We don't presume to avoid suffering because we are saved. We don't want to not go through lockdowns because we think we should get a pass on that because we're also great people. Now, salvation forever brings some suffering today as we say Jesus is our Lord, but we remember he is the one who suffered far greater, far deeper, far more profound and for forever forgiveness of sin. Actually, he suffered to set us free. We might feel a bit constrained, but he suffered to set us free from a lockdown that never ends. A lockdown from God. And we feel the frustrations, don't we? As seen in verse 16, we see that God is at work in these things. And when we see God is at work in these things, then we start to see how much Jesus changes everything. We grow more like him to be comforted by him. Because we know in the end, the last two words of this passage, we know in the end, verse 16, the last two words, all bad things must come to an end at last. See, if you know the Bible, you know the Bible story from Genesis to Revelation, you know that phrase, all good things must come to an end? The Bible says, no, actually, all bad things must come to an end. How might we be tempted to not accept this message in our part of human history? See, it may be that we are exploring faith. You are exploring faith right now, even Christianity, even the Bible. And we don't just want to believe it's God's word because there are too many historical hurdles to jump over. Perhaps it feels too imagined. There's too many presuppositions that put us off. It may be that. But friends, if you're actually listening and reading and receiving, I don't think that's you right now. It's also not what Paul is talking about. See, Paul is not saying you accepted it as the word of God, not as the word of men, because he's concerned that they're going to be you know, new atheists or angry atheists. No, if, if, you've, if you've even thought, contemplated, this could be the word of God, you're on a track, on a pathway to believing. And Paul's writing particularly to believers here. He's writing to the church. So I actually want to ask that question again, because that's where it really matters here this morning. If anyone's all going to reject God's word, in this case, they've already done it. But for you exploring Christ... If you would like to look into the Bible more, here is my offer, my invitation to you. I will pay for your coffee. And then if you want a second one, I'll do it. And if you want some sticky date pudding, I'm there. I would love to talk with you and read the Bible with you. Lockdowns will end. They will. And we can get together. Go to reformingchurch.org. Write a message there, send a message there and contact us. I'd love to talk with you. Come and see how he was spared. Sorry, come and see how Jesus has spared us from wrath. 
Because the very person who wrote these words was once an unbelieving Jew, was once a ruling Jew, was once a persecuting Jew, Paul himself. And he says, wrath is coming, but he says, Christ came for me. And for those of us who believe, for us, let's not ask superficial questions about others. Oh, they don't believe, they accept it as not as the word of God, but as the word of men. Let's not ask it about them and those people over there. Now, let's get Jesus personal with us. See, I think, how might we be tempted to not accept the Bible for what it is, as God's word? I think in a couple of ways. Our temptation is to lower the value of the Bible from God's word to man's word. And it happens every time we compare the joy of reading the Bible to the joy of just doing anything else. And I get this. This is me too, right? And I'm a preacher. There's nothing wrong with listening to good music. It doesn't even have to be Christian music. It could even be country music. God created the gift of even country music. He created all sorts of gifts we enjoy in life. There's nothing wrong with playing a game, riding your bike, having a coffee, having a laugh, even reading another book or other books, plural. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're all good gifts of God. But here's the diagnostic question. Does your daily life see you rather do anything else but read the Bible? Does your heart believe anything else would be better for you right now? When you want to react in rage against whatever's happening around you, when you want to jump online and be snarky or snappy or selfish or self-promoting, whenever you want to do those things, can I just ask you to pause? Would it be good for you right now, your heart, just to hear your friend Jesus speak to you from the Bible? Maybe you think the Bible needs jazzing up a bit. There's a temptation, I think, in our world to turn the Bible into a performance because we think that it makes it more powerful. But our eloquence doesn't bring the power, friends. Rather, we bring weakness to the Bible. We bring need, even as we preach it. I don't preach for performance. I don't preach for likes or number of hits on YouTube. I preach because God is my first and foremost audience and his flock is the congregation and they, we, all, me, need to hear it. I need to preach it to myself. God's word is not to be performed, it's to be proclaimed. And the word of God is at work in our church, friends. The word of God in 1 Thessalonians is so helpful for focusing our anxious hearts, our sinful and suffering souls, our weary eyes on God who loves the weak, helpless and incapacitated by inadequacy. This is me. But when we open God's word, he is at work, even online. Often in life, and I think particularly in lockdown, We would rather take life in our own hands. We would rather say, look, here's the steering wheel of response. Jesus, hold my coffee and I'm going to respond to life. When actually, let go of the steering wheel of response, take up his word and let Jesus grow your life. Now we can just receive the word of God. It doesn't bring burdens, but revives our soul. 
I find if the first thing I see on a daily basis is social media or anything else, I'm just snappy, especially in lockdown. But when I firstly receive the word of God, that revives my soul. And the word of God conveys the love of God to love God like Christ, to love others like Christ, to make disciples of Christ. We can see and encourage one another when this lockdown ends, but right now we encourage one another by praying for one another that we would take up God's word and be changed, be more like Jesus. Even by text message. Instead of encouraging one another to, you know, to... To, to sort of strive and be better in this world, how about we encourage one another and say, you know what, friend, you're loved. Yes, you're weak. Yes, you're often wrong, but you're loved. You're loved by me and you're loved by Jesus. This is what we're praying for you in lockdown. This is what our elders are praying. We want to see God working in you in such a way that you and I can't do. Only he can renew you by his word. And as you accept his word, the gospel that we've heard, not my word, not as the word of men, but from God himself, God is getting personal with you in Jesus. He will change you. And as Paul writes at the start of this passage, we can thank God for that constantly. Let's do that. From the end of today's Old Testament Bible reading, Nehemiah 8 verse 12, And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Our Father in heaven, together or apart, we are thankful for one another. We're grateful for your grace in Christ, your words to us in the Bible, your friendship, your forgiveness, your freedom to love you and others, even in lockdown. We're so thankful we have your word working in us when everything else around us isn't working at all. Help us to come daily with the empty hands of faith to your word and receive that you, by your grace, work in us because that's all we can do now is say thank you. Thank you for your grace. With constant thanks in Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.